Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. On this pod, we cover the late pick five at Keeneland on Saturday, October 16th. This is show number 142, October 15th, 2021. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, are you going to play the Keeneland Challenge this Saturday? Um... I won't be at Keeneland. I may play it online. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence right now. I'm not crazy about the card, but I haven't looked at everything. I looked at only the, the races that we're going to discuss today. Um, so I don't know. I'll have to wait and see. I may, um, but I've got to make sure I, I like the, the op, you know, what the card offers. And I think I have a good chance of maybe making a score because right now I'm st- on the fence. Okay, well, if you do enter that contest, I wish you luck. And I also wish luck to our colleague, Henry Wessel, who we used to attend that contest with year after year after year. And I'm just not doing it this year because a little low on the cash. Speaking of, I would like to announce that our listeners can support the Sport of Kings pod with a small monthly donation via Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash sportofkings, one word. And if you've hit a big score due to the pod or you just really enjoy the show, that's a way that you can show your appreciation and help keep the show on the air. Okay, so you have to explain to me what a Patreon is and how it works. Okay, uh, Patreon, Patreon is a platform that artists of all different types use to um, get donations for their work. Some Patreons uh, have a sliding scale. So the more money you give, the more content they give, you know, like ultimately like for a really big price, you might get a, an in-person performance by a guitarist, something like that. Um, But for the most part, it's uh, small artists, or creatives doing something creative and you are supporting them. You're being their patron uh, by giving a monthly donation. And for example, on our Patreon, there's an option for a $3 monthly donation, a $5 donation and a $10 donation, depending on what you can afford. And that donation is, it's given, it's sort of put on your credit card once every month and just helps us keep it going. And, you know, I guess some people are very successful at it. We're trying it. We've got a little support from the website so far and uh, we're hoping for more. Okay. Well, I, I didn't quite put together the, the, I didn't now that makes perfect sense. The patrons for, for the arts, I wasn't putting those two together. So I learned something today. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, and you know, when when I mentioned Patreon, 
a lot, a lot of people are quizzical, like what, what, Petra, what? Uh, but uh, a, a lot of other people will be like, oh yeah, Patreon. Like, yeah, I support somebody on Patreon, that kind of thing. So check it out. And if, uh, if you feel like contributing, uh, we'd love to have your help. Play in the Sport of Kings NHC qualifier starting every month. Each month, the top 50 players who are NHC Tour members advance to round two, which is Breeders' Cup weekend. In that final, 450 players will duke it out, playing all 14 Breeders' Cup races. Two people will win a seat to the NHC, and the top 100 will get tour points. Join the NHC Tour before any monthly round one begins. If you join the Tour, you could win up to 20 seats to the NHC in free contests. For only 50 bucks, it's the best deal in racing. If you sign up for the tour, use promo code Sport of Kings so we get credit. If you haven't signed up for our free contest with free DRFPPs, go to sportofkings.net right now. Thank you and good luck. And we have a special returning guest. He's the chief figure maker for Timeform US, and he has his own podcast with David Aragona, the DRF Forecast. He's Craig Milkowski. Craig, welcome back. Hey, happy to join. It's been a minute with you guys. Haven't haven't been on for a little while. I actually have one less kidney than the last time I talked to you guys. <laughs> well, so you're carrying a little extra, a little less weight. Maybe that'll help. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm I, sure I, I put it on in I, other places. Yeah, I've got to jump in though because I know it was your daughter that you donated your kidney to, and you and and I know as a good father you thought it was not a tough decision for you, but still, you know, I, I just want to applaud that action. I mean, that I'm, as a father, I, I can empathize, but still that had to be, um, you know, a tough, uh, go, but it sounds like everything went well and you and your daughter are doing fine. Um, but I just want to commend you for that. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. I do say, I mean, any decent father would do it. It wasn't even really a decision for me, but things have worked out great. It was a couple of really crappy days and then it was fine. And for her, uh, she's doing so much better. It's just, uh, it's amazing to see. And, and, you know, heck, I had to give her both kidneys if that's what I had to do. So. All right. Well, yeah, I, I, I commend you as well. It was a great story and uh, following it on Twitter uh, it was great to see your recovery and and then eventual return to the DRF forecast. So, yeah, I, I was able to take a few weeks off there, um, which, of course, they're, they're great with me. Uh, I don't ever have to do any podcast or anything, but I like doing them because even if I wasn't an employee at DRF, who doesn't love talking horse racing, right? It's my I'm lucky enough to be one of those people that my job is my, my hobby is my job. Exactly. And uh, I hope that's the case for me uh, someday. Um, I do want to ask you, how are things shaping up competition wise for the Breeders' Cup? Like uh, since you're doing figures and you post all those winning buyer uh, uh, time form figs, uh, any themes emerging in this year's Breeders' Cup? The one thing that that really sticks out to me is in the dirt races, I really do think the three-year-olds are going to dominate. Now, I don't think that's going to have a lot of value at the betting windows, but I, I just think the older crop, something we were talking about on our, our pace cast and our forecast since the very beginning of the year is the older horses just weren't very good, and, and none of them really emerged. 
uh, throughout the year, and the three-year-olds, in my opinion, have caught up and passed them. So for the uh, particularly the males, the the dirt mile, the sprint, and the classic, uh, I think the three-year-olds are going to have a banner day. And just out of interest, just because Nick Sko is putting up such huge numbers, you think they're going to be able to take him down? I do. I I have never particularly thought Nick Sko was a 10 furlong horse. Um, and, you know, some of these essential quality and hot rod Charlie, they seem to love it. And they're not very far behind, if behind at all. Uh, Nick Sko's one really big number that kind of stands out came at Prairie Meadows at just, I think it was a mile and a 16th. Maybe it was a mile and an eighth. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. But normally he's about a 130 type horse. And those guys, that's certainly within the range of those horses. All right, Chris, do you have any questions for Craig? Chris must have the famous mute one that I hear when I listen to you guys. It's the it's, it's either that or go get a cup of coffee mute. But he's back. No, I no, I, I apologize. It's something with my phone. It happened last week too. It the mute button locks up on me and I can't unmute. So I apologize for that. I'll try to I, I don't know. I'll have to figure out what's going on there. Um but uh I just I do have one question for um Craig and and I will um defer that though and when the race comes up. So uh, I think we're ready to go. All right, well, let's get rolling with the Keeneland Late Pick 5. It starts in the sixth race with a maiden, mile and 16th on turf, purse of 84,000 for two-year-olds. And Craig, where did you land here? Well, this is not exactly the uh, in the strike zone of a speed figure maker as we got a bunch of first-timers, two-year-olds on the turf. Uh Personally, I think the morning line favorite Curbstone is going to be tough to beat. I'm certainly going to use him. Uh, he's a horse who led a long way at Belmont Park on a mile and a 16th. I think the second turn's actually going to do him some favors here. So he's a horse that, that I think is one you definitely have to consider. And if we have to make a top pick, it would be him. Uh, none of the first time starters really jumped out at me as horses who are, you know, by trainers that win a lot first out or have them cranked them ready to go so top pick him but he's not certainly wouldn't be a single i would use a few other horses in here uh for for various reasons uh one of the the really long prices i would use is the seven horse uh carenta Oro from jason barkley uh i just don't know what to make of that first race at kentucky downs but the one thing that that i've learned over the years and it served me well at the windows is Horses do seem to get a, a good deal of fitness when they race at Kentucky Downs, and they often run a lot better when they show up somewhere else. A um, couple others I would use uh, of the first-time starters, I would use Joe Joe Sharp's eight-horse Big Woo, uh, just because he does win first time out on occasion. The, the horse is bred to, to like the grass. So he's one I would use. The nine outside Camp David I would use first time on the turf uh, for Rodolfo Brissett. Uh, He's a horse who it's just kind of taken a swing. He's shown some good form, but I suspect maybe he could run better on turf. Uh, the one horse I don't like at all here, and maybe it's a morning line, th just a bad morning line. I'm not really sure, but is the 11 horse Wicked Genius. I just think from that post, uh, 
The horse didn't run particularly well at Kentucky Downs. He had only run on dirt before. Uh, I know Ken McPeak, he's been pretty hot, particularly at Keeneland, but I would just have trouble taking this horse at a short price. Okay, Curbstone, two to one morning line favorite. Third race uh, in his cycle. Brennan Walsh, also pretty hot these days. Chris, what are you thinking? Well, I have a, a non-betting interest in this race in that the six-horse Bickle is owned by a good friend of mine. Um, they bought this horse at the sales earlier this year. They put in uh, this Kelsey Danner is a pretty good trainer, and um, she's a young trainer, kind of up and coming. I don't think the horse is necessarily going to win at first asking, but I'm, I think the horse has some promise, so that's one I'm going to be following and I wish uh, Taylor and Dave good luck with their horse. Um, that's going to be my pod pick. It won't be my pod pick, but um, just keep an eye on that one going forward. I typically don't like the first-time starters going two turns as two-year-olds in these turf routes. It's asking a lot for them to win at first asking. There's so many of them, though, in, the, in this race, and probably some of them are really good that one could win, but I, I don't know which one you would pick to do that. Um, so I always tend to, to favor the horses that had some starts. Uh, and for me, the one I like quite a bit in here is the 10 faith runner. It has experiences its third starts. First start was just a complete prep on the dirt sprinting. Uh, really didn't do much running. It did just look like a prep, but it's first try going on the turf long. It ran pretty well it got tired late which is understandable it was its first route and you know it's at saratoga against good horses and it actually finished well ahead of the, the morning line favorite curbstone in that race and that was its last start since then curbstone went on to run much better in its next start and the winner of that race annapolis might end up being one of the favorites in the juvenile turf at the breeders cup so comes out of a good race you know, he was forwardly placed, got a little tired late. Um, you know, he's going to be a much better price than the morning line favorite, probably. And he's already finished ahead of him. So to me, the 10 faith runner is probably the value play in here at eight to one morning line. There's many others you can make a case for. And we can maybe talk a little bit more about that, but I'll turn it over to Scott. Very interesting. The dam of Faithful Runner won her first turf race was a stake at Golden Gate. So she's got the breeding there. Or he's got the breeding there. Um, well, I wanted to ask you, Chris, do you have any intelligence regarding Bickle? Because I was very interested in that horse. Um, you know, are it would 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 normally Dave share the information with you and say like we think this horse has a big shot to win first out or it's probably going to need a race? Yeah, he would probably tell me if he thought it was going to win first out. I think they're thinking longer term. That doesn't mean a horse couldn't win, but it's not like the, they've got it. They're dying to win the first asking. They're they're they just want this horse to get a good you know some good experience and. Who knows? Maybe it's good enough to win or not, but I don't think that, you know, they're they're expecting the horse to come out and win first out. That's all. That's about all I know at this point. So 
I don't have anything that would lead me to believe otherwise. Like I said, that doesn't mean it couldn't win, but I don't think their objective is just to win its first start. It's really that for this horse to develop and become a good horse down the road. Okay, well, I did actually make a case for this horse. Uh, I made it my top pick, and um, I'm just going to keep it my top pick, even though I'm certainly not going to single him or anything. Uh, Bikel, Bikel, turf bred out of Stakes Place Dam and uh, sibling to a turf stakes horse. I I think it's actually a stakes winning dam. It's minor stakes. And a sibling to a turf horse named Old Top, Old time hockey. I don't know if you remember him. It shows a 48 and one gate work coming into this. Trainer hits first time starter turf routes three for 19 times for a profitable ROI. Trainer Joe Rocco has a 307 ROI <clears throat> with this trainer. <clears throat> and Joe Rocco is a 20% turf rider with a 244 ROI, which is an interesting stat. That's all in the last year that I had not known about him. So I think at 10 to 1 and maybe higher, that will be my top pick. Um, but I don't know if I'll have a win bet on it. I will most, you know, I will, if it's 20 to 1, I'll put some win money on it for sure. But it will be my my main pick. And then I'll use a few others uh, as we get back to the round table here. So the- Craig, jump in. Yeah. yeah, the good thing about this league is it is the first league. So we have all those first-time starters. So we will we'll be able to see the tote board before we put our wagers in and see if there's any live runners that maybe we overlooked or any of them are just totally dead on the board. Uh, the other horse, the one horse that I did have that I didn't get to because I was getting a little long-winded that I'll definitely use was your 10 faith runner, Chris. Yeah, and to... It's a back at you thing here. I, I like that seven Corrente de Oro as well uh, as a real live long shot. That race at Kentucky Downs, the horse got slammed out of the gate and dropped way back. And Rosario didn't really uh, <laughs> didn't panic at all, I guess is the way to say it. The horse was like 10 links completely detached from the entire field until they turned for home. Then he put a little bit of a run in late. So to me, that was like a complete toss. And this horse is well-bred. It's really bred to go long. Um, so, yeah, that one is live, I think. Uh, and like Craig said, a lot of times, it, those shorter races at Kentucky Downs with the long run-ups and uphill finishes are play out a lot longer than, than the actual distance. So um, that one, I think, definitely is a live long shot in there. So of the... Of the others after Faith Runner, that one um, does kind of get my interest. By the way, I'm going to add just, uh, I just looked it up because I hadn't looked up two year olds for Kelsey Danner for two year olds uh, debuting first time start routing. And of the three, of the three horses that she has won with, first time starter turf routing, all three were two year olds. Yeah, she's a good trainer, and that's a really good point, though. When you use, if you use formulator and you do stats, always, if for two-year-old races, uh, hit that two-year-old filter because they're very different than than three-year-olds and up. So, you know, that's one filter I would encourage you to use um, in these two-year-old races is kind of look at the trainer stats, how they do with two-year-olds, not just how they do overall. 
Okay. A couple other horses that you guys have not mentioned that I think uh, have uh, uh, a, a fighting chance and I was planning on using. Uh, one is hashtag no wonder. This trainer, Carlos David, is winning all kinds of things. Um, didn't get a good figure in its last race, but it was pinched at the start um, and has some pretty good breeding. Then uh, Mom's Moon, who's the two-hole, uh, has a 48-1 gate workout. Very good turf breeding is a half to analyze it. And um, the dam was uh, a winner on turf. Tonkawa Springs, Andrew McKeever. This guy is uh, th hitting at 313, first time turf. This uh, horse is going sprint to route, dirt to turf. And he's never done that move before. But he does have a 313 first time turf ROI. And it had a 48-4 gate work beforehand. And it was gelded since its last race. So I think that horse could go off a big price. Um, and I would use Curbstone. I don't know how much he's going to be bet. He might be bet a lot, but very good breeding on that horse. So uh, I'll, I'll leave it at those. And because this is the race I'm really going deep in, I will probably sprinkle in your Faith Runner and Corrente de Oro. Yeah, I only mentioned two horses, but I think you could – you could go through every one of them, and it's hard to throw any horse out when they've only run once or none. Um, so it's and this is the kind of race that just makes a pick five really difficult. So I I wouldn't argue against any uh, anything in this race. It's definitely a spread race, or if you want to be contrarian, you know, pick a horse and and single it and and just keep a, a you know play a small pick five. You know, like for me, Faith Runner, for you, Bickle, and for Craig, maybe Corrente Yoro, though. If that horse kicks off the pick five, it's definitely going to pay. Yeah, I, I will. I I want to I want to um, stress that the 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 podcast for me is uh, also a way of formulating my bets. So, for example, last week Chris was all over blowout to to wire in um, in that Keeneland Stakes, and you know I. It sounded good. I looked closer and I said, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to use that horse. So I put it in the pick five and, um, you know, I definitely get influenced. So even if like, let's say Chris, I, uh, you know, celebrate that Chris hit with Faith Runner, uh, I, I often, I'm also celebrating too. I just haven't said anything about the horse. <laughs> Yeah, the same thing happens with me. Uh, with, just on our podcast today that David and I did with the pick five at Belmont, he pointed out a few things about a horse in one of the races that, that I had frankly missed. So, you know, he's more attuned to the New York circuit, and, and I'm no, in no way above using a horse that David points out. Uh, and, and that same goes for any handicappers. I listen to you guys. I listen to a couple other podcasts, and there's a lot of information in the past performances, and I don't mind stealing from others uh, when it comes to the betting window. Absolutely. We'll move to the second maiden of the sequence. It's the seventh race, uh, maiden special, mile 16th this time on dirt, first of 84,000 for Phillies, mares, three-year-olds and up. Chris, why don't you get us started? All right. Uh, this is a similar race. The last one, but this one's on dirt, and it's not as big of a field, so it's not quite as daunting. Um, 
I don't have strong opinion in here, but the horse I landed on was a three South Georgia. Uh, it's lightly raced with a lot of upside. Its debut was really good, and um, it's a owner breeder horse. They, the it's pretty well bred. The the dam won some graded stakes, and the owners. This is the first foal. Um, they stretched it out last time, and it ran a miserable race. I don't know what happened there, but I think the first race was very promising, and you know all kinds of things can go wrong. They bring, they gave it some time off. They bring it back again, routing. It really is bred to route. Um, if you just assume something went wrong on that last race, and that the first race is really more indicative of what this horse can do, it definitely fits in here. And you know, at fifteen to one on the morning line, although I don't really know how good that morning line is. I'm not saying it's bad. I just don't know how this race will get bet. But this one ought to be a price off of that last race. So. I'm going to go with the three South Georgia, but again, these kinds of races, it's hard for me to form a real strong opinion. The trainer is knocking on the door. He's never won at Keeneland, but he does have a second this meet out of five runners. Craig, what are you thinking? I, uh, not particularly fond of a lot of the horses that are going to take money in here. So I actually landed on the outside horse, Berit. Uh, she's a, a filly who, just did absolutely no, well, I shouldn't say she did no running. She did do some running in my opinion, but if you just looked at the the running line, she looks terrible. But when you watch the replay, her race was over at the start. She absolutely completely blew the break. Uh, and what I do like is when I watch the replay, she actually shows a, a nice run down the backstretch. She actually passes about three or four horses. And then as they get on the turn, it's obvious that's kind of tired her out. It, it's not a barn that does a lot of winning first time out anyway. His horses generally improve second time out. So I actually liked what I saw there. And I think the rate's going to be a price in here. And I expect a much better effort. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna swing it back with Chris. I'm down with South Georgia. The more I look, the more I like. Uh, ran a, a good race and had trouble in its debut. That second race was uh, sort of first time one and a half turns as as the Ellis Park is configured. Notably, best workouts coming into this race uh, as 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 relates to previous uh, before the first race. And I also just noticed that the dam is House Rules, who is always fast and is a multiple stakes winner. So um, I think this horse is the value. And, you know, the, 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 the first race, which was okay, I think I will see a dramatic improvement on that, especially second time two turns. I have to ask you a question about that that horse. Where is this horse working out? I see a BLK code. I'm familiar with a whole bunch of track codes, but I've never seen that one before. Any idea where that is? Well, it's usually a training center. You know, like uh, some, sometimes they, these these uh, farms often have their own little private training center where they actually clock works. I have no idea. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I assume I can look it up. <laughs> yeah, it's just not it's not that important. Like, I like mean, for example, uh, Mark Cassie has his own train center. If you see CAA, that's mm -hmm. uh, his training center in Florida. I personally would wouldn't 
put a lot of stock in works from places like that. But it could be wrong. I mean, that horse just shows a never-ending string of, of good works. But who knows? Because there is never a lot of horses working out. Okay. Any any anything to add in this race, uh, you guys? Uh, besides your top picks. Well, uh, I one agree. Thing. Go oh, go oh. ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, I agree with you, Craig, on Berates, the other one I was considering. Um, that looked like, a, a, like you said, the horse had no chance after the start. It was just kind of a prep. Um, I, I, you know, it was, it's hard to say what kind of talent level that horse has, but it's definitely better than that race, and it should be a price. Uh, the one I don't get, I said I don't like the favorites in here. I especially don't like Big City Mama. Whether she'll be two to one or not, I'm with you, Chris. I really have no idea in these kind of races. But she's just never run a race as fast as some others in here. So I, I didn't get that morning line. Uh, maybe it's just Shug McGahee will take money there. Hard to say for me. I, I don't particularly care for Sovereign Award, who's the eight to five morning line favorite. She's had plenty of chances. She's been bet down a, a couple other times. If I was going to use one of the favorites, it would be the five street Missy, who even though she was pretty far back last time, uh, the winner won off by 10. She ran a pretty good figure. And even though she's 0 for 7, she's never really been bet like, for example, Sovereign Award has been. So that one seems to have been in races where she should have went a little more. So if I had to pick another one, it would be street Missy. All right. And I think you just sort of made a case for why you want to go with the price in here because the favorites all are kind of suspect. So, you know, I think this is the kind of race where you take a shot. I do agree with you guys on Berate. Berate's my second choice and Street Missy is my third. And I'm not sure about uh, Sovereign Appeal. I uh, kind of feel like that horse could win, but I'm uh, not sure if I would be able to fit that horse on my ticket. Um, I should say that Blackwood Stables is a 15-minute drive from Keeneland. It is a training center. Uh, they break horses there. Um, that's They have a track. You can, if you go to their website, blackwoodstables.com, you'll see their layout, and they have, they have a whole track there. We'll move to the eighth race. It's the QE2 Challenge Cup. Grade one, mile and an eighth on turf, purse of 500000 for three-year-old fillies. Craig, where are we going to land this time? Uh, before I start, I should going to do a quick shameless plug. This was our race of the week on DRF where me and David did a video preview, something we've been doing the last couple of weeks. So we kind of go through the whole field there. If people want to see that, you can find it on the DRF YouTube channel. Uh, in this particular race, I landed on uh, the two-horse technical analysis. Uh, no big shocker. It's a Chad Brown horse and a grade one at Kingland. Uh, and I just think this horse has a lot going for her. She's uh, been very versatile. She's run a faster speed figure every single time she comes out. And in all six of her starts, she's improved a bit. She's a horse who's won on the lead. She's won pressing a fast pace. Uh, she's won on firm turf. She's won on yielding turf. So I just don't really see any knocks on her when a couple of the others I'm not as confident in. I don't think she's a single by any means. I think there's about four different horses, maybe even five that could win this race. But if I was going to use the ABC type method, she'd be my pick. And she's definitely my top selection in here. All right, technical analysis, four for six on turf. Chris, what did you think? 
Well, this is a nice race. Um, I agree. Technical analysis is solid. Um, I I took a, a long look at this race and watched replays, and I kind of ended up. There's two horses I liked. The one I kind of went with is is the one horse, Burning Ambition, who gets tested for class in here. But um, I watched the replays on the horses' races, and her numbers kind of fit. Um, and she just has looked really good in all her starts and she's won them all pretty easily. Um, she hasn't beat a whole lot, but to me, you know, especially in turf racing, um, you know, it's, it's just, there's no reason why I don't think she, she could class up. Maybe she doesn't, but I think because of the fact that she's in here against a couple of Chad Browns and, uh, you know, a couple of foreign shippers and a Dana Bryant, she's going to get overlooked some. And I just don't see any reason why she couldn't fit in here. And she draws the rail and she has tactical speed in a race without a lot of speed. So she's bound to get a good trip, you know, uh, probably a rail trip and either on or just off a, a, a modest pace. So she's going to get the trip. Her numbers kind of fit. She likes to win races. And there's a lot of positives. You know, Brad Cox certainly can train. So. I don't know. I, I just, she might not be in these horses league, but there's nothing that tells me that she isn't. And if you can get, you know, six to one, maybe higher, I think that's not a bad price. So I'm going to go with one burning ambition. I also like burning ambition and technical analysis, but I landed reluctantly because it was a very tough race on Shantasara. She's two for three in America. Her second, the, the race she finished second in, she had a nightmare trip. She was super game in her last. She galloped out best. Her post gives her the options to get that perfectly good, just stocking off of it trip again. Uh, she's only seven to two, but seven to two on a Chad would be pretty good. And maybe technical analysis will take some more money than that. And um, that's where I'm at. Yeah, the horse I... I tried to avoid in here i really tried to make a case for her, was empress josephine for aiden o'brien she's coming back on just a week's rest she comes out of that first lady last weekend that was won by blowout wire to wire and i really did think when i started looking at this race she was the one i was going to land on i mean she's dropping out of that face and older horses to three-year-olds but the more I looked, I mean, this is just a pretty good crop of three-year-old fillies. I don't know that this field is really any weaker than the one she saw, maybe, maybe just a hair. But the more I watched that race, she had an absolutely perfect trip that day. And it just seems like Aiden O'Brien feels like, well, she didn't run her best. Maybe uh, well, I'll give her another shot since I'm already here. And I'm a little bit skeptical about that one. Well, I just a, a note there, that was the plan. They planned on running her in both, um, even before the race last week. So is it a good plan? We'll find out. But I, that was actually intentional, um, not sort of last-minute decision. They came over planning to run in both. So just I'll throw that in. Um, she did a run better last week than I thought she would, but I think she'll get overbid in here. So I, I don't have any problem trying to beat her. Wouldn't be shocked if she wins, but um, – I would be, you know, surprised if she won. The other horse I like in here, um, this one's just purely off a pattern play and and upside is is Lady 
Spite Spear, who just has the perfect pattern that I love so much. Um, second off a layoff. Showed a lot of talent early as a two-year-old, way back in September. She ran some really nice races. You know, she's undefeated. She came back with a nice prep. I'm, you know, there's probably some race at Woodbine they could run her in here still at the end of the year. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I just think it's a this aggressive ship down by Atfield to Keeneland in this race, a grade one. Um, tells me they think this horse is doing well and, and could really improve off that last race. She does have to improve, take a pretty big jump, but this is, if there's a pattern where you can get a really big jump, this is it. And this is the live, most live, um, you know, condition, you know, long-term condition pattern there is. And so I, I always like to play these horses, even if it takes a big jump to win, I think this horse just might pull it off. It's another one with some tactical speed. I don't like the rider too much. She's not really in the class with some of these riders, um, Emma Jane Wilson, but you know, she's not bad and, and maybe she can work a trip. Yeah, I, I have to agree with Lady Spitesphere. Um, she has to improve a lot to win, but she's got exactly the pattern that, that you want for that. And uh, it's actually the same pattern as Burning Ambition who ran a huge number in her second back as a three-year-old. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I was debating whether I should include Empress Josephine or not, especially at that low price, three to one. But I'm thinking maybe uh, I can get away with swapping her out with Lady Spitesphere and um, taking a chance that the, uh, the chalk it doesn't win this race. Yeah, she's a tricky read for me because she set a really slow pace in that comeback race and, and she won pretty easily. And she's normally the kind of horse I'm against. I, I doubt I'll use her in here because it would take such a big jump, but I won't be shocked. I mean, these are exactly the kind of horses that can take that big jump up. So it, it, she, these are always a tough call for me. Yeah, and it's always about price. I mean, the thing nice about that maybe is, is that these are the ones that because they, it takes a big jump and and a lot of people don't really understand kind of the, the improvement, the way horses improve and, and how they improve with age and stuff. You can sometimes get overlays, but it's all about price. You know, in this race, because they if they had run her back at a race in Woodbine, she'd be three to five and not worth betting, but they, they placed her aggressively in the kind of race where you might get a, a pretty good price, you know, that's the kind that's that's the situation where, where you want to try to cash in on a horse like this. She may not be good enough or may not be able to improve enough, but you know, this is the kind of um a horse that can really dramatically improve off of their previous races. Yeah, and the one note I would make too is we're getting to that time of year where there's not a lot of races left for three-year-olds to to run against straight three-year-olds. There is actually a, a graded stakes on the turf at Woodbine this weekend, the EP Taylor, I think it is for, but that's for fillies and mares. So I'm sure they'd much rather take a shot against three-year-olds. And we're seeing some of that at Belmont and the Sand Springs this weekend. So they're running out of chances. So I'm not surprised they got a big field and because sooner or later, uh, and much sooner in most cases, they're going to have to tackle older fillies and mares. Yeah, uh, just to add to Lady Spitesphere, she won the great, she's three for three. She won the grade one Natalma last year. And out of that race came out two horses that won in their next out, including Dreaming of Drew, who uh, won uh, 
another uh, another stakes race after that, a $250,000 stakes race on synthetic. Um, wait a minute. Getting a little confused. Um, yeah, that's right. Okay. Right. Yeah, she yeah. won an Ontario Brit. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, I was, I was getting my, my ears mixed up. But um, so, you know, she's definitely got the quality. And, you know, she was fast when she was young. And she's kind of, this is, this is her chance to really shine. And if she wins at a price and continues to be undefeated, everybody's going to be like, wow, what, what, you know, what did we miss? There is uh, one other horse that I will definitely be using who's double digits on the morning line, and I think probably will be in the race as well. And that's the five nicest. Uh, it's a shipper for Aiden O'Brien's son, uh, Danacha, I guess is how you say that. Not positive on that. Could be a daughter for all I know, but I think I read son if memory serves right. But this is a horse who's coming out of the Irish Oaks. He ran third. Looks like it was a pretty lackluster effort, beating nine lengths. But when you see who the winner was of that race, Snowfall, I mean, she has just been a terror for three-year-old fillies over in Europe this year. She actually ran in the Arc de Triomphe just a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's just, she didn't run very well, but it, it doesn't really diminish how good she is. And if you consider, uh, if you took her out of the race, nicest basically was beating a half a length in that Irish Oak. So I think she's one. There's no way I'm going to let her go off at double digits and not have a few bucks on her and have her in my pick five ticket. I'm definitely going to have to relook at that one, Craig. Yeah, I think that one uh, of the O'Briens, I'd rather play that one than than the favorite for sure. And like you said, it's, it's not the same O'Brien, but it's the same family. They, they're probably sharing the same plane, so they're going to be taken care of. We'll move to the ninth race. It's an allowance, a mile on dirt, purse of 86,000 for three-year-olds and up. Chris, who's going to win this one? Yeah, it's another tricky one because there's so many of them coming off layoffs. And, um, you know, that's always a little bit um, tricky. Although at Keeneland, you know, that they may have pointed to this race in some cases. And some trainers are better than others at getting them ready off the bench. I ended up landing on the one Malibu star. Um, this is horse has got some obvious physical problems, but usually when it makes it to the track, it runs well and it has run well off the layoff before and the barn is good off the layoff. So there's a lot of reasons to think that this horse um, may fire right off the bench. And if it does, it's got the numbers that can win. Um, it draws the rail, which, and as Johnny Velasquez, who's typically aggressive and this horse has some speed, I don't think it has to be on the lead, but I think at least it can can um, uh, get forwardly placed and save ground early. And this is a race that, because of the track configuration at Keeneland, it's a bigger than a mile. So when they run a mile, they it's a pretty short run to the turn. They do use the short finish line, and I think they do have a pretty long run up. And I'll, I'll have um, Craig, that was a question I was going to have him weigh in on. Does he know what the run-up is on this and you know how long is it? Because my guess is it's actually a little longer than a mile, uh, than the typical mile because the run-up's a little extra long. But anyway, the yeah, I think, line is... Yeah, off ahead, the top Craig. of my head, I think it's about 200 feet. So, yeah, it's, it's more like a mile and 70 yards most of the time. Yeah, and so it plays a little longer than a mile. So some of these horses are stretching out, and it might be a, a big ask. And... 
it does make it an advantage to have an inside post with some good if you have tactical speed and can avoid getting shuffled back. I think it's a big advantage. So a lot of pluses with Malibu star five to one seems like fair value. It's not great, but, um, you know, if they bet the heck off down uh, on the favorite, they bet it down, then, you know, that horse is to me playable. There's another one I like in here as well, but I think I'll make my pod pick the one horse Malibu star. Bunch of bullets, and the trainer hits at 24% at Keeneland. Craig, what did you think? Well, this is the race I'm going to chalk out on because I'm spreading in some of the other legs. And after all, I am the speed figure guy, and there's a horse who just has dominant speed figures in here, and that's Ducal. He comes out of that Baby Yoda race where that one ran off the screen at Saratoga, but he had run quick before that when he broke his maiden at Saratoga. And for me, I, I always tend to prefer three-year-olds in these races once we get into September, September, October time frame, because the older horses had generally either had a lot of chances or they have some issues. And that's what uh, Chris alluded to with his selection. It doesn't mean they can't win, but I almost will always go with the three-year-olds. So for me, uh, I'm going to single Ducal. I think he's going to be able to run off with that short stretch. I don't think the stretch out is as big a deal, even though it's a longer run to the, fir the first turn. It's still fairly short. Uh, and then once he turns for home, he's only got to hang on for a little while. So I just think this one's too fast for the rest of these. Well, I, I'm, I'm using three horses in this race, Malibu Star, Ducal, and my top pick, which is a very lukewarm top pick, and that is Winter Pool, who actually carries six pounds more than Ducal. So I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get off him between now and then. <clears throat> but ran two fast races and then um, reacted in his last race. It was a race he won. Speed figure wise, he, he, he reacted. It's a pattern that usually plays out if they run two good races and then an off race and an off race, not being a bad race, but just, you know, not as fast, then they're ready to really run their best race ever. And, uh, that's what I expect today. It's only seven to two, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe somehow he goes off higher than that. If Ducal gets bad a lot, um, that's my reluctant, my very reluctant pick, Winter Pool. Yeah, I am. Um, Ducal's definitely the horse you got to start with in here. Um, I think he's going to get heavily bet. And to me, he just, he has too, too many negatives for me to lean on him. He could just, you know, clear early and, and win for fun. But, you know, his... He's got this kind of a pattern where, uh, you know, I think he might have run some fast races and he might, you know, need some time off before he's going to get back to running good again. And, you know, stretching out and taking the blinkers off, you know, just going two turns for the first time. Uh, I, there's just a lot of question marks there on a horse that's going to get heavily bet. So I'm I'm a little bit leery about that horse. The actual, the, the three-year-old that I like in here um, is the two-horse, Otto the Legend. Um, to me, he's one of these coming off a layoff, but it is Asmussen who, who can do pretty well off the layoff. And he gets Lasix. He was a, he showed some real talent in his first few starts. I think 
he was kind of one of the, you know, on the Triple Crown trail for Asperger's. Something went wrong when they shipped him out to Santa Anita, um, you know, and, you know, he got injured, obviously. So I, I would just ignore that. You know, he kind of got eased late and then he was away for a long time. So something, you know, went wrong there. But his race before that was really good. And the fact they were, you know, high enough off, right off a maiden race to ship him all the way to Santa Anita to run the Santa Anita Derby tells you a lot. To You know, to me, that's that they think this horse has a lot of talent. And now he comes back. This could just be a prep. It probably is, and he he may not be fully cranked up. But you know, he might have the most talent in the field here. And um, if he does fire off the bench, uh, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see him win. So the two auto the legend is the other one I'm interested in. Again, it's a price play, and uh, if he is live, they may bet him. Um, you know, if he's live off the bench, but we'll see. Uh, he does get in light. He gets that inside post. He has tactical speed, good rider, a good trainer. So a lot of pluses with that horse. He's working nothing but bullets. We'll go to the last race. It's the 10th. It's an allowance, five and a half furlongs on turf, purse of 88,000 for Phillies and Mares, three-year-olds and up. Craig, what are you thinking? Well, I started, I think anytime you have one of these turf sprints, you're, you're better off looking. Uh, you, you need to start with the Wesley Ward horse in the field and kind of go from there. And it wasn't too hard to find because generally the Wesley Ward horse is the one with all the layoff lines. And that's what we get with the four uh, chili patine, I guess is how you say that. And um I'm just a little bit skeptical of that horse. I suspect that he's going to lead, but there or she is going to lead. But there's some other speed horses in here that I think are going to get give him a hard time. And when that happens, I generally look for a horse that's on the inside that's going to save some ground, but you know, and be able to get through late. The horse I landed on was the three horse Ghosting Kim. Uh, she's a horse who has run solid enough speed figures to win here, just as good as, as the the morning line favorite, the Wesley Ward horse. And I just think she's coming into this the right way. She ran a decent race off a short layoff at Colonial in an allowance race. Then she went to Kentucky Downs, and I'm hoping she got some of that conditioning I was talking about. And she ran pretty good that day with a, a solid speed figure of uh, 98 for me, which, like I said, it fits with the rest. And now she turns back to five and a half, which I think is her best distance. That's the one that she's won at. Uh, both of her races have come at five and a half. And I'm just looking for a really good trip behind the speeds for a horse that I think's about to run her, her best race uh, in her third race off of a minor layoff. Her dam was Palenka City, who was an extremely fast sprinter with six stakes wins. Chris, what did you think? I, I, this is an interesting race with a, a lot of contenders, a big field. You know, these turf sprints can be kind of chaotic. There were two horses I like quite a bit at a price in here. I have a hard time separating them. I'll probably go for the pot. I'll go with the seven uh, Lemos Kuna, I guess is how you would say that. Um, you know, this horse was pretty mediocre to be, you know, kind on the dirt. But as soon as they put her on the turf, she was a different horse and she you know, won her broker maiden first asking on the turf after some some failed efforts on the dirt. And then they ran her back uh, at Kentucky Downs on yielding 
course, and she didn't run very well there, but it was Kentucky Downs and it was yielding. Um, they brought her back again. She she caught a non-yielding course in Indiana Downs, and that one she won impressively. And she has a nice closing kick. Um, I think you know there seems to be enough speed in here where it ought to set things up for a horse to come from out of it. She gets in light as a three-year-old. We talked about you know playing three-year-olds in these kinds of races. So I mean to me this horse on a, a less than yielding turf, and there is some rain in the forecast, so we'll have to see what the, the going is like, but assuming it's not real gooey, um, you know, this horse to me is two for two since it's gone to the turf um, and it's caught something other than yielding surface. So this horse is on the upswing. That's a kind of like three-year-old getting weighed off in a race that should kind of set up for it. Um, if the ward horse doesn't wire them, I'd at least gut the other speed horses and maybe set things up for somebody else. I'm a little worried about that forecast because I'm with you on Lemos Kunha. Um, I watched that last race. It was a boss performance. She was super game and she galloped out huge and she's going to get the right setup here. So she is absolutely my top pick. My second pick though is also ghosting Kim. I'm with you, Craig, on that one. She matched her best in her last and looks poised to run the best race of her life. So, um, so those are my top two. And then I'm just going to throw in uh, another horse that I think has to be used, and that's Signify. I think it's only five to one morning line, but uh, has a nice little pattern. Looks like it could run its best race. Yeah, and I, I think we're all kind of thinking along the same lines that if the four horse in here, Chili Patin, doesn't win, she's still going to sap the other speed horses. So we're kind of looking for horses that are come a bit a bit from off the pace. And the other one I would throw out there is the 11 horse recoded. Uh, she's only tried the turf one time recently, and that was at Kentucky Downs, and she was able to get the win. She's turning back from seven furlongs. But if you scroll way back in her PP, she had tried the turf a couple other times, and she just seems to be a better horse on turf. All her speed figures for me are, are better. She had run a nice 96 uh, at Ellis Park last year, I believe it was, and you know, I just think she's won when she stretched out the six and a half at Kentucky down. She was on the lead, which is really tough to do there. Go in that six and a half, which is Scott or uh, Chris had mentioned is more like seven or even more due to the long run up and the uphill. But I thought she still ran really well that day. So for me, recoded is a must use too. Yeah, you stole my thunder there. That was the other horse that I like quite a bit in here. Didn't actually win that most recent race. It was seven furlongs. The horse actually made a big move, hit the lead too early, you know, in that long Kentucky down stretch. It's easy to do for some of those riders. And they got, you know, snapped at the wire. But uh, cutting back in distance uh, makes a lot of sense in here. Then that's one I, I definitely like. And like you said, her for some reason, even though she had run well on the on the turf in the past, they didn't run her for like another whole year. And then they, for some reason, decided they would try her at Kentucky Downs. And she really responded, but then they ran her back on the dirt again. So um, uh, I don't know what the connections are thinking, but I think five and a half on the turf may be perfect for this horse. Um, I don't know if it'll be quite the price that Lemos Kuna will be, but both those two, to me, you know, they're the plays in here. Um, both should be good prices. I, I 
I definitely considered recoded. And um, the fact that you gentlemen both like her, I'm going to have to make her a must include. The only question is, you know, how to make this ticket affordable. Yeah, it's a uh, tough, tough call for me. Like I said, a big part of mine is I'm singling Ducal, allowing me to spread a little bit. Uh, I'm going to have to, I used the ticket maker and formulator recently. I've never really been a big pick four, pick five guy. I've always been more of a vertical player. But since we've kind of shifted our, our forecast to always cover a sequence, because that's what people seem to like, even if we will say if we're not going to play it, we still cover the individual races. But I'm still trying to learn. So I use that ticket maker and the the ones that really give me trouble and i'm curious what you guys think about a horse like the four chili patine who's going to be the favorite in here i don't think it would shock any of us if she went wire to wire but i don't particularly care for her so my gut feeling is to not use her but you know it's kind of hard to throw out every single favorite that that's why i like the vertical plays uh because you can throw out favorites you don't like and if they win you move on and nothing hurt whereas in the horizontals if you think a favor can win and you don't use them it can kind of sting when they do well one thing you can say about chili patine is she's never won on turf and she's gonna be the favorite yeah, I don't particularly care for her, but, you know, she's run okay. And and like I said, I, I would seriously doubt I would use her, but, you know, when you, you – and, and I don't want to be, uh, you know, spending a million dollars either, and that's part of it. So I guess that's uh, where single and Ducal comes in that I can spread. But personally, I wouldn't want to spread with a low-price horse. Yeah, I think the key is on these low-price horses, you know, if there's several of them in the sequence, you're right. It's hard to beat them all, right? But you want to make sure you, you play multiple tickets so you're not playing them all on all the tickets, right? You want to say, okay, I'll let one of them beat me on this ticket, and I'll let another, the other one beat me on this ticket. So I'll play two tickets, or there's three of them, and you know, I'm not going to play it where they both win. Um, uh, so, I mean, you just I think the key is you want to figure out where the value is and build your ticket around the value and not just throw in all the favorites, but do, do it in a way where, okay, yeah, it's going to be hard to beat all three of these horses. So I, you know, if I can beat, you know, two of the three, all cash or one of the three, and, and build your ticket that way, um, so you can still use them, but you're not, you know, using them indiscriminately and 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 really driving the price up on your ticket. So you make sure if you do hit it, you're still going to have a couple of legs where you got a lot of value and it's going to pay. Because what you don't want to do is, you know, you play them all and they end up coming in and and you cash and you spent three times as much as you had to and you lose money on the play. I mean, that's the way you don't want to play it. Right. The other thing, I'm going to have to go yeah. back and listen to your pin tweet because I listened to that a while ago and I remember I really liked it, but I wasn't a big pick five player at the time. So I'm, I'm sure you know it's one with uh, Peter, Peter Fornatal. Uh, oh, yeah. And I remember I enjoyed that one. So you still have it up. So I'm going to go give that a listen this week too. Yeah, I don't claim to have all the answers, but I mean, I think you just want to be careful about how you use the favorites and make sure you've got some value on every ticket that you're playing. The other thing, you know, you can play the pick five and play vertically, right? So say you uh, leave Chili Petting out, but, um, you know, in the, you could play a vertical and, and play, you know, your long shots underneath it in case it does win in, you know, in that last leg. And you might make a pretty good score you know, just playing your horses underneath that one. So yeah, I mean, that's a good can, one. So you you can you know use the whole toolkit and the whole portfolio of wagers and 
you know, pick the wagers that make sense based on your opinion. Um, don't you don't want to, um, you know, just get fixated on it just to pick five player. Well, that's kind of silly. There's a lot of other bets, and and you and and the your opinions of the race might make other bets a lot more, um, you know, lucrative and profitable than the pick five. And the last thing I'll say on that is just don't forget at Keeneland they do have that all turf late pick three with a low takeout. Um, and you know, that's another thing you can look at in this sequence. If you don't want to play the whole pick five, but you have some strong opinions, like I think we all do maybe in those last few turf races, you know, that's another way to go. Yeah, I did. I actually meant to bring that up. I'm glad you uh, reminded me because it's a case where if you don't particularly like the dirt races, we actually covered all three of them here. And I think the value in these races probably is in the turf for the most part. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, um, uh, you know, one thing that you can do on the pick five, because Chili Peaton is like a like, should I use her? Should I not? I would not use her and structure all my pick fives so that if I'm alive going into that last race, then I have the option, if I so decide to hedge, you know, just like depending on what the payoffs are going to be, you could decide like, should I hedge it just just to make sure she doesn't ruin my life or not? And it could be either through a vertical play, like Chris said, or, uh, you know, enough of a win bet to cover your pick five cost. Yeah, let's hope we all get into the position to hedge this week, if possible. <laughs> yeah, that's another whole discussion. Um, typically, hedging is like buying insurance. It's, in the long run, it's not a good thing. But maybe for your sanity, it might not be a bad thing to do in some cases. <laughs> well, you know, this, it's just happened yesterday where the uh, the turf monster stakes, the horse is a apparently had a, a, a drug violation at, at, at parks. And that's a funny example because that was a pick five where you're out the first leg. So you don't get crushed later. You, you get crushed early and then, and then you're like, okay, well, can I play the pick four? Um, but, but in that case, the, the, in that case, I know Chris did and I did. And so did somebody else I know we all would have won that pick five. It just, it got worse and worse because the rest of the ticket came in, you know, and it ended up being <laughs> ruined by a horse who was uh, getting uh, some extra goodies to help him win. Yeah. yeah it was, shopping at tractor supply company again, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The old, yeah. The dewormer. Yeah. And that was bad. Cause I'm, I really like, can man i singled him in a race that looked kind of wide open on paper i mean he was he ended up going off at seven to two but there were three or four horses that were you know below him in the morning line and looked pretty solid and it was a big field and he ran his race and he gets beat by 100 to one shot and it knocks me out of the pick five and scott and others i'm sure too so but that happens that's that's this the game we play <laughs> yeah Okay, well, uh, I didn't have a chance to look at the rest of the card, but did you gentlemen uh, have a chance? Do you have any other spot plays? Uh, personally, I have not looked at the rest of the card. I was too busy handicapping Belmont for uh, for my other podcast. Uh, I will say in the Sands point, I, I like the horse. I, I don't want to screw up the name, so I'm pulling up the PPs as I type here. And it's uh, Jordan's Leo from the two-horse 
is just a horse who's a price six to one on the morning line that I think has a really good chance of getting loose in a race without a lot of pace. So I think she can beat a couple of the favorites in there. All right, Chris, you got anything for us? No, I haven't had a chance to look at the, the, they don't look real promising earlier in the card. Um, but I haven't really had a chance to look at them, so I don't really have anything to add. Okay, well, then I'd like to thank our guest, Craig Milkowski. Craig, thanks for taking the time to handicap with us. Always a pleasure to be on. And even when I'm not on, which, of course, is most of the time, because you guys have a quite an extensive list, I'm always listening normally before. But even when I don't get a chance to listen before the races, I will always listen on a Monday or Tuesday because you know there's nothing wrong. You can learn things by listening back to uh, to shows. And these are the ones I like the best, the ones where you actually handicap the races ahead of time. And you guys do a great job. So thanks for having me on. Well, appreciate that. That will conclude show number 142 of the Sport of Kings pod. Good luck at Keeneland and wherever else you bet. And please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo blowout. I'll see you on Sport of Kings. Cheers. Giddy up. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.